Tampering is brought to you by GameTime, your new go-to app for the best deals on last-minute tickets. Ticket prices drop right before the game starts. And because GameTime tracks prices in real time from thousands of trusted sellers, they're able to show you the best last-minute deals with prices up to 60% off. So I'm here in New York this week, and, and tonight the Knicks are hosting the Cavs. That's a hot ticket item. The Nets have three home games this week. With game time, you can get prime seats to any of those. And we're talking about a two-tap checkout process. I mean, can you imagine the things you wish you could do in two taps? I mean, like make it through LaGuardia Airport. Uh, it's just the the list is endless. And so it's a simple app. It's quick and easy to navigate. Download the GameTime app in the Google Play or App Store and score last-minute deals on tickets up to 60% off. Welcome to Tampering with Sam Amick and Joe Varner. This is a beautiful game of basketball that we all love and talk about every single day. Uh-huh. To be able to bring people together. What do you do, baby? Reportedly at the center of an NBA investigation. Into tampering accusations. And the message to executives in the league is not talking about players on other teams. What did I do? The charges filed. Impermissible contact. Was right or wrong? Tampering charges are really difficult to prove. You know me, I talk. It's <laughs> <laughs> awkward to even talk about it. I can't even mention teams anymore. Actually, what I like to play with Kevin Durant. The trial you want with tampering. They're always ahead of the rules. It's not rocket science. Everybody went off like I have tampered with the guys. I didn't tamper. I'm just telling you what happened. I'm just telling you what happened. Hello and welcome to the Tampering Podcast at The Athletic. I am NBA insider Sam Amick here, as always, with my guy, Joe Varden. We have a fun episode for y'all today. Uh, we are going to have a, a little group conversation with some of the best beat writers we have on our staff that just so happen to be women in this male-dominated industry. We not only wanted to talk about the Suns, the Cavs, and the Nuggets, the three respective teams that these women happen to cover, but certainly get into what it is like to, to be in their shoes and do what we do. Kelsey Russo, Kendra Andrews, and Gina Mizell, uh, they're going to be joining us later. Joe, a little bit of a change of pace this week. Looking forward to it. How are you, buddy? Well, I'm confused because um, I mean, you introduced yourself as NBA insider, which is fine. Um, oh, you're not going to throw me under the bus here. No, no, you're no, not no, doing no. This. It's fine. No, I, I mean, that's uh, that sounds perfectly okay. Um, but what am I? Like, I don't know if I have that, like, cool. Oh, you, need, you need the title every week, Joe. The ego has got to be there. Come on. Joe is <laughs> Joe is NBA insider extraordinaire. I don't think that's true. Joe, NBA. <laughs> I don't well, today, think that's true. That's fair. I mean, and, and this is the wrong week for, for this to be the hill that you die on, because this week, uh, even though Kelsey does such a great job covering the Cavs, you are putting your old hat on and, and filling in a, a little bit on that beat. You are with the Cleveland Cavaliers team that, that you previously covered. And uh, I believe you're in Brooklyn. Do I have this accurate? Well, I mean, it's it's a mess. I, I am in Brooklyn awaiting my room. So I'm actually in the lounge and there's numerous people listening to me, but they can't hear you. Um, and then I'm going to take the train. Are you over getting to, funny looks already? Oh, Give me, paint yeah. the picture for me. It's uh, there, there's it's it's getting uncomfortable here in a hurry. Um, but then I'm going to take the train over to watch the Cavs at Madison Square Garden tonight. Uh, and then I'm going to spend the rest of the week back here in Brooklyn working on a couple things. So, uh, yeah. So yesterday, uh, Sunday, I was back at my old uh, at my old office, if you will. Um, wanted to take a look at the Cavs because. You know they they had been predicted by everybody to be 
terrible this year. It was supposed to be a really rough year. And John Beeline had them playing so well. Um, they were, I think, four and six at one point, or maybe four and seven at one point. They, they had a, they had a good record at one point uh, for them, and they were like seventh, you know, in the early going in the East, and really playing together. And so I wanted to come and kind of tell a little bit of that story about how they look better than maybe they were supposed to be. Um, and then the last two nights against Miami and then yesterday against Philadelphia, both at home, they, they really, um, took it hard and, uh, and it was rough and, um, kind of brought everybody in that locker room back down to earth and talking about learning whether you're not as good as you think and not as bad as you think and taking a look at the big picture as to, okay, is this season going to turn out to be what the Cavs and what prognosticators thought it would be which is top 10 lottery look to trade some of your pieces uh as you continue to retool um so kind of a kind of a downer when you know heading into the homestand for them they they were really feeling pretty good so we'll see if they can get back on track tonight here against the knicks yeah i mean to tie it into your past Cavs life uh and give some context certainly didn't expect the Cavs to be neck and neck with carrie irving and, and his nets you know mm-hmm. and they're they're one game off of that pace. Certainly Brooklyn had higher hopes than that. Um, you know, we'll get into the Cavs later for sure with Kelsey, but I do wonder because, you know, you've been boots on the ground there for so long. Uh, what is your early read on, on beeline and kind of how he is fitting into that culture and what they're trying to build out there? Yeah. I think that he really was a great hire and, um, I think he's not only good for the Cavs. I think he's good for the league. Um, he stretched, stresses fundamentals in a way that I have not come across in my six years in the NBA, uh, just with what he teaches and how much time he spends on it. Um, I, I, I really, I really do. Uh, I, I really think that this is uh, a nice hire. I am concerned um, just from a, this kind of sucks standpoint that that he may not be around. Um, as the coach by the time they're really good just because he's 66 years old now. Um, so, I, you know, that's the, the part that I feel bad about. But he's – I think he's a good hire. I really do. Well, like I said, we'll get into that more with Kelsey to, to give a, a quick synopsis on my end of where I've been and uh, and it actually blends in nicely with Gina joining us today. I spent a few days in Phoenix last week and I wish I had a timestamp, Joe, for the last time I was in Phoenix. But, you know, all you got to know is that – it's been quite a while and I've been covering the league nationally since 2010. And so it's telling that, you know, a national reporter is not going to Phoenix for all these years because Mm -hmm. there has not been reason unless you were not trying to, you know, just throw too much shade, but there was a lot of shade to be thrown unless you were going to do the dumpster fire story, which is what they were for quite some time. And ESPN did that not too long ago, then you weren't going to Phoenix. So I go out last week, uh, with a couple, you know, a, a couple different intentions for one, just trying to mix up the travel schedule, uh, and connect with Gina and see what that team is all about, but going to be writing a Monty Williams story here pretty soon. You know, they hire him last summer. He was in the mix and I believe could have had the Lakers job, uh, had his eyes on the Kings job as well. If anybody doesn't know Monty's story, it's, it's compelling and, and heartbreaking, you know, with what he's been through a few years back, his wife passed away in a car accident and his kids were in the car. And, and now it's just about picking up his life and deciding to get back on the bench. And, you know, he went to Philly 
Well, before that, he went to San Antonio and had a role with the Spurs, and that was kind of his first basketball job after he left Oklahoma City as an assistant, and that's where he was when the accident happened. And then he moves on to Philly and worked with Brett Brown out there. And this, though, is now you're in front of the bench, you're building your own team again, and these sons are fun. You know what I mean? They have a good thing going. Devin Booker seems to be taking that next step, uh, added some pieces in the offseason with James Jones and Jeff Bauer in their front office. Aaron Baines has been really good for them. Mm-hmm. So I know typically for the listeners that on this pod, we, you know, with good reason, will be extremely heavy on the Lakers and the Nets and the Knicks and, you know, and even the Clippers because of the star power they have and that short list of teams that moves the needle all the time. But we hope people enjoy this one because we're going to mix it up. These are teams we don't talk about every single week uh, with good stories and really good writers covering them. So without further ado, it's a seamless segue to to throw it to Gina. Gina, it's only been about 36 hours since you and I were chatting right outside the the Talking Stick Resort Arena. We didn't know at that time we were going to have a little fun doing a pod together, but how are you? Thanks for joining us. I'm good, you guys. How are you doing? We're good. Hi, Gina. Hello, yeah. Joe. <laughs> <laughs> thanks for thanks for you know th- thanks for hanging out. I'm glad to see so quickly things turn around for you out there. Yeah, it's been quite the surprising start to the season, just because um, you know the the Suns not only are the, have been the Suns the last several years, but also their schedule to start was really challenging. Where they've already played the Lakers and the Clippers, they've played at Denver, they've played the Jazz, they've played the Sixers, um, they've got the Celtics. Uh, tonight here in Phoenix. So um, to say that they are seven and four heading into Monday night's game is, is not what I expected. Um, I thought they would be better with the roster that they had constructed and with bringing Monty Williams in as head coach. But yeah, it has been a, a surprisingly um, you know pleasant start to the season. And that's, that's a fun thing to cover when things do uh, start turning around for a team. Gina, we'll circle back on your, your uh, surprising squad in just a second here. I don't want to leave uh, Kelsey and Kendra in the shadows there. I want to make sure we bring them in. Let's go to Kelsey. Kelsey, are you in Cleveland and, and how the heck are you? And we, you and I haven't met. This is a, a digital introduction for the first time, but thank you so much for joining us. We appreciate yeah. it. Hey, yes, I'm in Cleveland. Um, it's been really great so far, but yeah, nice to meet you over Skype and hi, Joe. Hi, Kelsey. Kelsey, the good news is you have really small shoes to fill. You know, Joe Barton <laughs> had that job previously and it's like, yes, I got to tell you, it's, it's just a great thing when the bar is set so low that you, I can't wait to see you soar over it. It's going to be amazing. <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, the the concern and distaste on the faces of Cavs PR asking me if I was indeed filling in both Sunday and Monday uh, for Kelsey was was quite telling. Oh no! <laughs> so much love, Cavs have for Joe. All right, Kendra, uh, you and I have met in person at Summer League. Uh, excited to have you on as well. Um, and and you are out in Denver working with Nick Cosmider covering this Nuggets team that that uh, that I think is so much fun. And I, I hope, I mean, listen, I think between your storytelling and the fact that the Nuggets in general have been on the national radar, and, you know, that their profile is going to keep rising. And I think, you know, you're going to be along with that. But how are you? And thanks for joining us. I'm doing really well. Thank you. And yeah, it's been, it's been great so far. Uh, it's funny, no matter how, no matter what the Nuggets are doing, it's always Bronco country out here. So we're really trying with our stories to get some, uh, get, get more, uh, local Nuggets recognition. For sure. For sure. And so I, you know, before we do hoops, Joe, I think, uh, for the sake of, I mean, listen, like last week when we had to give an example, when we had Ian Eagle on and we were talking about, 
his long and established, uh, you know, career, uh, the life stuff and even the non hoop stuff, I think folks enjoy listening to. So let's do a, uh, a quick round table of, of backgrounds and we don't have to do the deep dive, but just to give people an idea and, and honestly, even people who might have an interest in the business and wonder how in the, the hell all this stuff works, where y'all came from, how we got to this point, And then we'll spin it forward and talk about the teams. But Kendra, to stay with you, I know you're a proud Gonzaga alum. I don't know a ton about <laughs> that know. beyond the fact I've got to do got to do the obligatory like Steph Curry, Seth, uh, Seth Curry thing. Kendra, yes, is is the sister of Malik Andrews from ESPN. You know, very talented media family, and and Kendra is certainly on her way as the younger sister. But you. but give us a, a quick breakdown of of how you got to this point. Yeah, I'm I'm actually sitting in my Gonzaga T-shirt right now. So big nice. Gonzaga fan. Yeah, I just graduated in May um, and joined the athletic in June. Um, but while I was with, while I was at Gonzaga, I was contributing to the athletic covering the Zags. Um, before that I originally from Oakland, California, and I kind of just fell into journalism watching sports center. And I realized that people got paid to write and talk about sports. <laughs> and I was like, how did I not know this? This seems awesome. <laughs> and from there, as soon as I got to Gonzaga, I just tried to figure out how to get involved and somehow wound up here. And, and, and also a fellow Bay person. I grew up in Pleasanton, so we, we weren't too far apart. No, we what about Kelsey? I know Georgia alum. Am I accurate on that part? And, yes. and what's your story? Yeah. So I just graduated from May in May from Georgia. Um, I'm originally from Cleveland, so it's cool to come back home and cover a team that I kind of grew up watching and really finding like that. I really loved sports. Um, I joined the athletic in May. It's like right after I graduated, I covered the WNBA in Atlanta. Um, so I wrote for, um, the Atlanta, I wrote about the Atlanta dream and that was really cool. And then, um, that was just like a freelance position. And then when that ended in September, I was offered this job. So kind of just lined up perfectly. But yeah, I fell into journalism when I was in high school um, with my newspaper and kind of the same thing. My, I had a teacher be like, you could do this for a job. And I was like, what? This is so cool. So I, that's what I went to school for. And um, I got the best education I think I got I could get. And that's how I ended up here. Well, all right. I, I have a couple things to say here. Now, first of all, um, Kendra, who I was very happy to hear that we she was joining us not only on the pod but also at the athletic. Her sister is a very good friend of mine, and um, but it's striking Kendra to hear how much the two of you sound the same. It's amazing, <laughs> like you get, yeah, just the inflection in your voice is very very similar. And uh, and poor Kelsey, um, <laughs> she is following. I don't, I don't want to say following the footsteps, but she is kind of coming in after both myself and Jason Lloyd um, on this beat in Cleveland. And, <laughs> you, you know, uh, she had to – one of her first days in Cleveland, she had to sit through a lunch at Winking Lizard with the two of us where we just told her – you know, we gave her our some of our war stories, the ones that um, <laughs> the ones that wouldn't scare her half to death. And uh, I just – I applaud her for her bravery then. Um, and then, but the third thing, I, I don't know if you said this quite or, or not, Kels, but I mean, you're from Northeast Ohio. Like you went mm-hmm. to, you went to Hudson. 
Yeah. And, and that's, you know, that, that's kind of the thing, like the people who cover the Cavs, um, that, that seems to continually be a theme. I mean, I was, I'm from Talmadge, Ohio, uh, Chris Fedor at cleveland.com. He's from the West side of Cleveland and Jason Lloyd was from also the West side and he went to Kent state and, uh, even, you know, on down the line, I mean, Brian Winhurst, uh, is from Akron and went to, went to Kent state. That's where he got his start. So, you know, Hey, I mean, who knows how this is going to shake out for you, but I mean, being in Northeast Ohio and, and then now coming here for your first job is a is a pretty cool start absolutely yeah and that was what was yeah to start off here and like just to come back and you know be be back to where I'm from is just such a cool thing and I feel like it's helped a lot in in the transition to this new job of like all right I know this place already you know I'm already comfortable so it's been good well, and to throw it to Gina, uh, Gina, you're you're kind of the vet in the group here when it comes to the beat. You cover the Nuggets, uh, you know, and, and Kendra's new stomping grounds were your old stomping grounds back for the Denver Post. How many years in are you at this point? I know this is your first year moving back to your your hometown of Phoenix, and you're a Cronkite ASU alum. Uh, but how many years on the on the NBA beat life are you? Yeah, so this is my third year covering the NBA. Um, my second year, actually, uh, covering the Suns um, when the Athletic launched in Phoenix last year. Right. It was kind of the natural um, opportunity to come back home. So, yeah, I, I did graduate from ASU in 2010 and then have sort of gone all over the place. I worked at a small paper just outside of Houston, um, covered college football in both Oklahoma City at the Oklahoman and at the Oregonian in Portland. And then, yeah, I got the chance to move up to an NBA beat at the Denver Post um, two seasons ago. Loved my time there. Loved covering the league. And then, yeah, like I said, once the Athletic expanded and launched in Phoenix, it was kind of like, hey, ready to come back. And um, I was definitely ready to, to take a jump at the opportunity both to work here and to come back to my hometown. And it's it's a really special thing. And I know Kelsey can relate to this as well to be able to be in the market that you grew up becoming a sports fan in. Like it's, it's one of those things where, um, you know, young Gina, like high school newspaper, Gina would be freaking out to know what I'm doing now. So that's a really <laughs> gratifying, cool thing. And I, I'm really thankful for the opportunity. And, and like I said before, it's an interesting team to be covering right now. So all, all good things. So Gina, when we see LeBron, on the floor and he's holding his hand over his mouth talking to a younger <laughs> player and then we say what did you say to him he's like well that's not for that's not for y'all well i'm going to ask you to take down that wall here a little bit um i know happen to know that both kendra and kelsey uh rely on you and and come to you a little bit um just because you you know the ropes some and then also i mean let's let's face it you know you are uh, a woman doing this job and so there's just some added perspective that you have um that they would want and they would seek so what in a nutshell what are the things that you tell these uh these two when they call or when they write yeah, I, I just try to be a, a good resource in any questions that they have or that anybody has. Um, I, I try to be there because certainly that's how I feel. I relied on other people and still do other women in this industry to kind of, you know, ask questions and to learn as much as I can. But a lot of it is, is the logistical stuff. It's, you know, how to handle yourself in a locker room. It's, um, you know, where to stay, what hotels to stay at in certain cities to make sure that you're in a safe neighborhood um, or in a safe part of downtown. Um, just, uh, you know, story ideas, um, you know, just bouncing, bouncing things around, um, reading people's first drafts of stuff. Like it's, it's really anything, but no, we are in a unique position. And I mean, last year I was the only woman beat writer that we had at the athletic, which I'm so thrilled that we have 
in the NBA. Yeah, in the NBA. NBA, That's what I mean. Yes, (laughs) yes, that's that's an important, that's an important distinction. Sorry about that. Um, But yeah, it's and so no, I think it's it's an important thing to be um, as much of a resource as I can. And like I said, I'm still often relying on other people to sort of show me the ropes and and all of that. But no, this the, the NBA. It's unique because I think we think of it as a progressive league, media wise, and in a lot of ways it is when we look at you know, what Rachel Nichols is doing and Doris Burke and Ramona Shelburne and Jackie McMullen and these like Titans in the industry who cover the NBA. But as far as like on the ground beat writers, it's a very small community of women who are doing this job. It's, it's us three on this call. It's, you know, Tanya Ganguly at the LA times, it's Candace Buckner. It's, it's a couple people, um, beyond that. And so it's, you do sort of feel not isolated, but you definitely feel like, um, there's not as many of your people out there. So I, I, like I said, I just try to be as much of a resource as I can. And while still also seeking the advice of, of other women as well. I feel like because, and, and listen, the, the, that group of women is only going to get larger as time goes on, but that's, that's perfect for a group chat. Is there like a group chat between the entire group? I feel like this should be a thing. Does that happen or no? It, it does not exist yeah. yet, but I feel like it should. Yeah. Like the NBA, today's 2019 NBA. That's what, the players do. That's what every team does. I think there should be a group chat. Gina, um, it's funny you mentioned helping other you know people with figuring out what hotels to stay at and things of that nature. People might not know this about you. At home, I, I think you have the coolest logistical setup of any beat writer in the entire NBA. And without giving people your address, because that would be unsafe, uh, Gina lives about 500 feet from the arena. And when I went out there to do sun stuff, I'm sitting there laughing at the contrast because I was in LA last week and I'm jump. I'm taking lift rides from the airport Marriott that take me 90 minutes to get to Staples Center. And I'm getting the life story from that driver who I'm in the car for way too long with. Then, you know, I'd make the trip to Phoenix and every day from the hotel, uh, you're walking a couple blocks, you know, getting up and getting a little bit extra sleep, getting the coffee, getting the breakfast and going to, to, you know, try to figure out what's going on with this Suns team. Um, you got a great setup and you got an interesting team. While I throw it to you, Kelsey and Kendra, feel free at any time to hop in. I want this to be a combination of talking hoops, but also talking the business. So if anything resonates for you and you want to you know, kind of dive in, feel free. But Gina, um, give us your breakdown of this, this squad and, and kind of what it's been like this year, because you know that I'm writing something on Monty coming up. Uh, I looked at your Twitter profile today. I can't wait to read your piece on Aaron Baines because anytime there's a quote that says Baines will eat your children, like that's that that'll that'll get you. And it says he may pull out a Viking weapon and show it and say do this or else. And I saw the look in his eye when I was out there. Um, but tell me, you know, just you know, it's it's early, but they're exciting. They're fun. They have good stories, and and they've had terrible optics in the past, and and now they're they're looking better for the moment. Yeah, well, thank you for uh, giving some of those quotes that were so fun to report while doing the Aaron Baines story. Um, and I think he sort of captures just, you know, nobody expected this out of Aaron Baines and nobody expected this out of the Suns. So um, I think you just look at the veterans that they've added, starting, you know, with Baines and Ricky Rubio, I think are obviously the two um, primary guys. And then even people like Dario Saric and and kind of go, Frank Kaminsky and, and going on down the line, I think that's really made a big impact on this team and kind of just raise their floor, which is something that new general manager, James Jones has talked about quite a bit as far as, you know, just, there were so many years they were trying to, you know, build that foundation and relying on high draft picks that didn't pan out and relying on potential and 
once they got Devin Booker and DeAndre Ayton, they felt like those were kind of their two cornerstones and that they could build around those two guys and bring in veterans who had produced on the floor, who you know had some experience in winning environments, who had been to the playoffs. And, and that was sort of the starting point this summer. Um, but now, the, I mean, the, obviously the most surprising thing, the elephant in the room, is that they're doing this without DeAndre Ayton, who was suspended after the first game for 25 games for violating the drug policy. So, um, that, yeah, the fact that Aaron Baines has stepped up the way he has, the fact that a lot of these role players have stepped up, and I think Monty's leadership has really, um, you know, the players have taken to that right off the bat. So all of that is combined for a, a really nice start. And I'm curious to see if they can sustain this throughout the whole season. But like I said, it's been um, a really interesting, fun start to the season for this team. Yeah. And, um, you know, you mentioned James Jones, who uh, I got to know really well during the uh, championship and finals years in Cleveland. He was just on um, another athletic podcast uh, last week, uh, David Aldridge on Hoops Adjacent, and, and kind of got a chance to break this down. But but speaking of James, uh, Gina, and just sort of how this has all gone, um, it, as you know, when they made the moves that you just listed off, but when they made mm-hmm. them in the summer, like collectively, we were all saying, what the hell? Like, what what are they doing? Um, and as it turned out, these pieces work and, and Aaron Baines is a great fit and some of the other things they've done uh, is a great fit. But how much further along are they than maybe you thought they were when this was all coming together over the summer? Uh, way further along, I, I think. Um, when people would ask for my predictions, you know, over the summer, I, I said somewhere between 30 and 35 wins felt like a, a sweet spot. And and now, which is the way they've started, I think you can already maybe raise those expectations a, a tiny, tiny bit. But I thought this would be a team that would improve throughout the season. Monty Williams has even said that their goal is to improve every single month, to get better every single month. And so that was something that I thought would happen, that they would be better in March than they were in December. But the fact that they've come together so quickly, I think, is what has surprised me just in general as a team. But also, like I mentioned before, just because of the tough schedule that they've had. They've had a ton of games at home. They're going to play nine of their first 12 at home after tonight. But Still, it's they were against really good quality competition, which I guess is par for the course in the West. But still, they've had Miami come in and Philadelphia come in and Trey Young come in and, and all of that. So, yeah, just the fact that it's come together right off the bat has been something that has has surprised me just because I thought it would be a little bit more of a process just because there are so many new guys on this roster. You got to talk to the listeners out there. You ever wonder how to get the hottest new sneakers, the ones that barely hit the shelves? The answer is StockX, a revolutionary new marketplace for buying and selling 100% authentic sneakers, streetwear, watches, and handbags. Joe, I know you're very fired up to talk about this crew and what they're doing. What's your StockX experience, buddy? There's a pair of Jordan's, uh, the Justin Timberlake brand. It's uh, it's actually it's called uh, Man of the Woods, um, and and uh, they're beige. They have black trim, and they're they're absolute fire. You can't get them anywhere. If you look at my uh, at the picture on my Twitter feed, uh, you'll see them on my feet. Um, my wife found them through StockX, and uh, they found their way to me for Christmas, and 
anywhere I go um, when I wear those things. Like I, I wore them around New York recently. Uh, people will stop me and just say, wow, look at those. And, you know, again, I mean, without StockX, I just wouldn't have them. I mean, you know, and there are millions of stories like this. People are going to the website, looking at the shoes that you can't find anywhere else, uh, whether it's the Justin Timberlake Jordans on down the line. And soon enough, they're on their feet. Listen, with StockX, there's no hassle. StockX handles the exchange of every transaction, so you never have to worry about legit buyers or sellers. StockX has you covered. They also allow you to buy and sell pre-owned, excellent condition, luxury handbags, watches from brands like Louis Vuitton, Chanel, Gucci, Rolex, Omega, Tudor, and much, much more. You want in on all the hype? Check out StockX.com backslash bball for a surprise offer that won't be around long. That's StockX.com backslash bball. Check it out today. Great stuff from Gina, and, and we're going to throw it to Kendra here. Um, listen, Kendra, you know, the Suns have their crazy person, big guy, and Aaron Baines. He's going to eat your children, yada, yada. The Nuggets have... A, a big teddy bear, and that's going to sound like I'm body shaming. I'm not, but that's been a topic lately. But Nikola Jokic and those Nuggets, uh, I, don't, I don't remember a team that got off to this good of a start record-wise, you know, having such a sound the alarm bells, we're not playing well enough vibe like the Nuggets have. They're 9-3, and three, um, coming off a, a very good year last year, certainly didn't end the way they wanted it to. But, you know, they've got the continuity that comes with Jamal Murray, Gary Harris, the rest of that crew. Uh, coaching wise, certainly Mike Malone, who I covered in Sacramento and know pretty well, is they have a culture. They have Tim Conley, their GM, and that front office uh, that has done a really, really good job. Um, they're going to be heard from this year. We're going to be talking Nuggets a lot. We're going to have you back on certainly. Uh, but what what's your early read of that group and and uh, and what kind of stories do you see there too? Yeah, it's been really interesting so far this season. Like you said, they're nine and three, but the way that they've been winning games up until last night win against Memphis that they won, I think 133 to 114 up until then, it's just been so inconsistent and we've been calling them the grit and grind nuggets um, because every single game has just been about defense and they've been winning defensively, but not just, Oh, their defense has been better than their offense, but a fact of if they're not playing good defense, they lose. Right, because right. their offense has just not been able to find a rhythm. People haven't been hitting shots. They haven't been able to finish at the rim. Nikola Jokic started the season. You know, you mentioned his his weight and stuff. That was a big question. Oh, is he out of shape? Is he not putting in any effort? What's going on with his mindset? That was really weird. Uh, and because they had, their, you know, one of the most, their roster is the most similar to what it was last season. I think people thought that, they were going to just absolutely dominate. And I think that thought that too. And that hasn't just really been the case yet again until last night. So I think for them, they really need to figure out how to pick up their offense because I think in a game, they play Houston on Wednesday. And I think in a game like that, if their offense doesn't get going, I don't think they're going to be able to contain James Harden um, as much as they'll need to. And I think that you saw that against the Hawks, they couldn't contain Trey young. He went off for 42 points and they lost. So they need to find a way to pick up their offense while still having a strong defense or else as the season continues, I think they're going to get into a little bit of trouble. Yeah. And I I think just quick context, I know Joe wants to chime in, but on the offensive side, that's where the angst is, uh, at least based on the numbers, they were seven or they are 17th 
in offensive rating at the moment, and this is a, or 16th, and they were seventh last year. The defense is, is at a high level. They're tied for sixth in, in defensive rating. So I get it, but nine and three is not too shabby. No, it's not. So I saw uh, Jokic play. This was in consolation rounds in the World Cup in China, and he was, I mean, maybe going 40%. Um, and it just, at the time, you thought, well, you know, Serbia is out of it. Um, he doesn't care, but he's just kind of out there going through the motions. Like they had a game against the United States where he was, I mean, his uniform was out there, but that was about it. And then he kind of gets out here uh, and, and starts the regular season and, and the same kinds of things are, are were coming up. Do you think people have had gotten to the bottom of what was going on with him? He just didn't seem happy. He wasn't smiling. He wasn't playing with the pep in his step, nothing. He didn't seem to be like, like enjoying basketball. Um, and then he hit that game winner against Philadelphia. And I think that was the first time I saw him smile all season long. He was pumping his fist. And that's kind of when we started to see him getting a little bit more active. I don't think that it's all an in shape thing. I think maybe it's part of it. You know, there's been some speculation of, well, did him playing in the world cup affect his off season schedule? He didn't get to train the way he usually does. But to me, that just didn't quite line up. Cause I feel like, well, if you're playing for a national team, if you're playing basketball at all, shouldn't you still be in shape? I don't think that would make you more out of shape. Well, to, to highlight that point, Kendra, uh, just so you know, Giannis Antetokounmpo also played internationally. You know what I mean? Like, like if we're going to talk about MVP candidates, uh, yeah, I think I agree with you that that's, that's not the right explainer and that, that shouldn't have played this big of a part. Yeah. So I, I, I really do think it's something going on in his head and he's the only one who can snap himself out of it. And I think that it's a complete mental thing. And I don't know what that mental thing is, but I think once he just gets over whatever that is, you know, he should be the Jokic that everyone saw last season. So Kelsey, uh, to bring you back in here, um, you know, your first 10 minutes on the job, you go to Boston in a preseason game and you watch the Cavs get beat by 46 uh, and then you come back to Cleveland and Boston sends its G League team out there and beats the Cavs by 25. And uh, who knows what you thought you had gotten yourself into, um, but it looked bleak. And then um, they come out and they play together. They're in every game. Uh, they beat some teams that maybe people didn't think they would beat. Um, what has been the most surprising thing for you to watch in these first 12 Cavs games, given how bad it was during the preseason? Honestly, a little bit of like the inconsistency and like, uh, because there were games where, you know, like last week when they were in Philly and they lost, um, to the 76ers by one point and they, you know, with the, with the 76ers being such a, like a high, um, place in the Eastern Conference, you know, there was a lot of questions like, okay, they're not going to like win, kind of like last night. Um, but like them just having kind of like some games where they're really showing like really good ball movement, they're playing together, they're showing like the signs of, of a lot of potential, and then to turn around and have games where they just kind of fall apart. And it's like two different teams basically kind of night in, night out. So I think it's kind of been interesting and I, that a little bit surprising. But also like a little bit of a surprising start, you know, to a couple of games they won, you know, 
like their t- those two first road wins or those two road wins were I think good games that they needed to win, and I thought that. Um, they also, they recognized that, you know, that they needed those wins and it was, it was helpful, but then that's kind of where the winning stopped for them. And they've gone on this three game skid, but I think, you know, then they're figuring it out, but I think it's been an interesting process to watch how they are figuring it out and how it's not, you know, consistent over these first 11 games that they've played or 12 games they've played. All right, Kelsey. Now, among the things that Jason and I told yeah. you to look out for that first day uh, was that you will get sick. Yeah. Um, but I can hear you sniffling now, and I've seen you two or three times since the start of the year, and you've had a cold each time. So <laughs> you need to invest in some some hand wipes or some. You I've know, taken so much emergency the- and so much medicine. Yeah, yeah. I am. Uh, <laughs> it's just not going away. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. I've also already suffered my first cold of the year, and I think Sam has too. Weren't you stopped up when you were in town? I was stopped up. I might have been guilty of uh, staying out too late one night, Gina, but we don't need to talk about that. (laughs) Early morning flights will do it for you. Yes. I'm also battling my first cold, but I attribute it to the Denver weather being 75 degrees one day and then 20 degrees the next day and then back up to 60 the next day. This is this is another another discussion, Sam. But I feel like we've gotten away from some of the drinking talk on tampering, which was a foundation <laughs> of our podcast last year. So I'll just say, if you can't play hungover, you can't play. No, there wasn't. Come on, hungover. That's too much of a vet to be hungover. It was it was, <laughs> it was a combo of a six a.m. flight, you know, where your body wants to go to sleep at nine, and then you cover a game till. 11 and then, you know, get a few afterwards. But, you know, I, I don't know these ladies well enough. I'm not sure I'm comfortable sharing all my drinking secrets. I do think, you know, <laughs> since this is turning into now the WebMD podcast as we all share our our different <laughs> ailments, uh, I, I kind of would enjoy getting into the lifestyle stuff with all three of you as it pertains to the beat because you don't know. I, I used to have an old buddy, or he's still an old buddy, and a guy who covered the Kings uh, for the Sacramento Bee for a long, long time, Marty McNeil. Shout out Marty. I'm going to text this to him. He lives in Texas these days. But Marty used to joke about the beat, and he'd say, they call it the beat because it beats your ass down. And that's why they call it the beat. It is lifestyle-wise. I'm not trying to pretend that that we're digging ditches here. And, and certainly now Joe and I have different roles that come with different rhythms. But being a beat writer, uh, you know, it, it is late nights, early mornings, uh, changing flights, changing hotels, getting home, trying to do laundry, you know, having a little bit of a normal life in between. I don't know who wants to take the microphone first, but I, I would love to hear the early read from all three of you. And again, Gina, you've been doing this for a few years now, um, but but it is something that if you haven't done it, you just don't know what it is. Uh, you know, how is it treating you guys? I guess let's go to Gina. We'll, we'll give you the, the seniority treatment there. But, you know, just what is how does all this lifestyle fit with you? And, and, and what do you think people don't realize about it? Uh, well, if anybody follows me on Twitter, then you're familiar with team no sleep, which is yes, basically yes. my hashtag that I set three alarms for myself for early flights. And not only do I like set the alarm, but I also make very, um, passive aggressive messages to myself. Like you have a flight to Portland, which me, and then like five minutes later, which means you need to get up. And then the next one, like right now, exclamation point, exclamation point, exclamation point. And honestly, the reason why I started doing that was because my first year on the beat, I can't remember where I was supposed to be going, but I woke up to my alarm and honestly didn't know where I was supposed to be going. I was like, why is this alarm going off at 4 a.m.? I was just so 
disoriented, so confused. So that's, I started doing that to sort of literally tell myself what I'm supposed to be doing on a specific day. But yeah, those are the toughest, I think the road trips where you go from a game night into an early flight the next morning to get to wherever you need to be next to cover practice, or if it's a back to back or something like that, those are the hardest days because I mean, there are nights where you take a nap, you don't go to sleep. You're maybe, you know, down for an hour or two, and then you got to get going again. But I've learned how to sleep on airplanes, which is extremely helpful. Um, Kelsey mentioned like emergency. I'm a big fan of, of airborne and, you know, vitamin C and just trying to do whatever you can to keep yourself healthy. Um, I'm that neurotic person on the airplane with like the antibacterial wipes, like wiping down everything. And I'm not really a germaphobe, but I've gotten sick on enough flights over the years that I'm like, okay, this is what I'm going to try to do to you know, at least feel like I'm protecting myself. Um, still need to get my flu shot. I might do that today, but that's kind of all the stuff that you try to do to, you know, keep yourself functional Gina. <laughs> on the road. Gina, 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 what? Gina. It's November. I know. <laughs> I it's November. It's it bad. takes two weeks for those things to inoculate. Well, I got my flu shot in August. I, know. Same. I just, I was at CVS the other day and they were like free flu shots. And I was like, yep, I probably should do that. But as you know, as soon as training camp starts, your life is over. So <laughs> I, I didn't do it in August. And so now here we are in November. Well, not only that, Gina, you're, you're going to be thrown off because, you know, you thought you'd be working through mid April and then studying for the lottery. I mean, at this point, you're going to be covering games till May, right? I mean, <laughs> Hey, I'd be I'd be totally fine with that, but no, the schedule might fall a little bit differently than it has these first couple of years. For sure. Now, Kelsey, uh, we're gonna throw it your way. Uh, it, it's the early days here, and, and you got the emergency, and you're you're finding all the different tips. But how is the travel hitting you? And and just describe your rhythm so far. It's a weird, weird job. Yeah. Okay. So that when we had that lunch in at Winky Lizard. Joe and Jason both told me they're like, it's a grind, like it's going to be a lot and all this stuff. And I was like, okay, yeah, like I, I'm, I'm ready for it. I'm so good. And then it hit. And then I was like, oh, shoot. Okay, this is totally just a whole lot. But I kind of, um, I had my first um, travel uh, disaster. I missed a train from DC to New York last weekend. I, the train left uh, Union Station at 7.30 in the morning, and I woke up at 7.30, so that was a good time of trying to figure out how to get to New York. I got there, but it was kind of a, just a mess. But, you know, first disaster is out of the way, and I'm good now. Um, but it's been good. I mean, I've I've definitely learned, like, you sleep when you can, you nap when you can. It is a lot of the late nights and just, but like, just being, like, have, setting those alarms. And, like, I set, like, so many now, so I don't sleep through anything anymore. Um but I am really enjoying it. I mean, this last road trip from for DC, New York, Philly for the Cavs was really fun. And I kind of just liked being on the road. But um, it is totally a different lifestyle and one that, you know, obviously wasn't what I experienced in college because when I covered the teams there, I was on campus. And, you know, if I traveled, it was just for a day or so. So this is, a, this is definitely different. But um, I'm kind of, you know, it helps living at home. You know, I haven't moved to Cleveland yet, so that's helpful in the regards of just trying to get things done here. My mom has been super, super helpful. So shout out to her because she's the best. But um, All right, I think I'm jealous I'm, now. <laughs> well, my wife does an amazing job. It's, it's not that different, but yes. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it's been, it's been good. And I feel like I've started to figure out a rhythm of, okay, like, you know, what flights taken? I've stopped taking extremely early flights like Joe told me to do from the get-go, um, unless it's a back-to-back. But 
So, you know, planning flights and planning hotels and everything and just trying to also take that time um, when you are places like for an hour or so for myself. So it's not all, you know, work, work, work. It's time to enjoy and relax and kind of like step away for a minute. So I think I've kind of started to find that balance between it all. Give me your quick stream of consciousness answer to this question because the road comes with so much weirdness and it, you know, every city is so different. What is the strangest thing you have seen on the road so far, whether it's in the street, in an arena, uh, anywhere, uh, what comes to mind? Uh, straight. Oh, when we were in DC last weekend, um, I was walking through the national mall just for a break and there was this whole rally going through basically wanting to like for the for the impeachment and it was uh they were very rowdy like walking through the streets and i was like okay time to walk a different direction i don't (laughs) want to get caught up in that um that was probably the weirdest thing so far i like it i I would have been jumping into the parade just for the record um (laughs) kendra uh you your rhythm's a little bit different when we have a a two-beat uh, format like we do with with Nick Cosmatter and yourself. I know the travels, you know, probably a, a little bit of a different pace. I'm not sure if to what degree you've hit the road just yet, uh, but you know what what's that part of it been like for you? Yeah, it definitely has been different. Um, Nick, I haven't been on the road yet, and it's been a lot of Nick, which I'm not too envious with just from what he's been saying because he also has a six month old baby. Yes. Uh, so from hearing him. <laughs> Oh, we're aware. <laughs> I'm sure you are. Both of us, Sam and <laughs> if I. If you follow him on Instagram, uh, you know that he has a really cute little baby at home. Um, but I think, so I haven't experienced the early flights in the city to city, but I think that that's also provided me with different challenges um, to find a rhythm because the Nuggets have really been in and out. They're about to start their longest home stretch so far with four games. So they've really just been in and out of Denver. And so trying to find a rhythm when they're in town for two days and then leave, then they come back for three days and they leave. Um, and they haven't been holding a ton of practices and shoot arounds. So finding the time to build those relationships and talk with players and do the interviews is very, it's, it's as a new writer, it's, it's been a good challenge, um, for me to just, you know, work with, with what I have and stuff. Um, but I will be getting on the road soon, which I'm also excited for to experience those challenges as well. But it's, it's definitely been a different rhythm than what Gina and Kelsey have been experiencing. So I have a question for the three of you, but it'll change a little bit when we get to Gina, just again, because this is not her first time around the league. So for Kelsey and then Kendra, um, what has surprised you about uh, interacting with NBA players? Um, I mean, you both had interacted with college athletes before on a big time stage. And I know Kelsey spent a little bit of time with some of the Hawks um, last year. But really, this is your first go, go around with this. And so what has surprised you about the accessibility of and just getting a chance to talk to these guys? Yeah, I think I think just like how, especially like pregame, um, and this is a lot easier on the road too. So this is something I've noticed a lot, how easy it is to just like go up and chat with them. You know, I'm not, if, even if I'm not working on a story, just like literally just go up and like say, Hey, and like talk about like if they did something while like we were in the city, whatever city we were in and you know, they're like the ability to just like have a normal human conversation, which like sounds silly but like you don't really think about it until like you're kind of 
at least I didn't really think about it until like I was kind of in those moments of like, yeah, you're just like, just chatting, just like kind of talking like human to human because they are people. And I think that's something that kind of gets, uh, forgotten about, I guess, from like the fan side of it all. And like people who read your stuff, they're like, Oh my God, you're talking to these like professional basketball players. That's so cool. And I'm like, yes, it's really cool. But they're also just people. And, um, the road has been really good for that for me to just to really get to know some of these guys and like, just, just chat with them about, you know, life or about football, about the college they went to about like my journey, you know, and, and for me, I think some of them too, I, it's been surprising how interested they are about like how I got to where I am. You know, they're like, you just graduated and you're already covering an NBA team. I'm like, I know it's crazy. I don't know how it happened, but like their interest is cool because you know, it shows that like they are just people and they want to talk and have those normal conversations. So I think that's kind of been the most surprising, but also the, mo- like the coolest thing. To that point, Kelsey, I wonder, and, and all three of you could answer this, um, you know, because Joe and I certainly just can never kind of sit in, in, in your seat. How do you feel like the the players receive you differently when it comes to what we all do, the common thread being just trying to get to know these guys and these coaches and executives and figure out their stories. And then day after day after day, what kind of story do you want to tell and, and kind of what, you know, combination of what moves the needle and what interests you and the fans, but that on the ground interaction stuff when it is a male dominated industry. And, and I've seen it plenty of times myself where you, you get the sense that uh, players specifically, it's just a nice change of pace when I think they, you know, they have a woman to talk to and it's not, you know, the same old kind of guy coming after them. I mean, I, again, just trying to, to look at it through your guys' eyes. What, what, what do you see there? Yeah, actually like that was kind of one of the hardest things when I started because like, I was like, I don't know what to really talk about because <laughs> I'm like, I am a woman and like, you know, I didn't play basketball when I was younger. So I was like, shoot, okay, what am I going to talk to these guys about? But like, you know, I kind of started with some of the younger, like the rookies, like Darius and Kevin Porter Jr. And, and even Colin Sexton. And like with Colin, I talked about shoes, like, cause he loves sneakers. And so, and I love shoes. So, you know, it was like one of those things of like, we talked about that. And since he's, he went to Bama and I went to Georgia, that kind of just spurred that conversation. Um, I, I think it kind of just like, it really depends on the guy. And, but just, I kind of have taken the approach of going in with a question about like, you know, what city we're in or the, the team where they're about to play and kind of like their mentality going in and kind of see where that goes. And then kind of just being like, did you do anything fun, you know, and kind of just starting that conversation. But it's definitely like different guy to guy. Um, and I kind of have to like think about it before I go in and be like, okay, like what am I going to talk about? Like, like kind of like have some ideas in my mind, you know, like see where the conversation could go. And, um, but it definitely is just kind of a different mentality you know, being a woman and like, and not that it's bad at all. I think it's a great place to be in. And, but like some of them, I think too, like, yeah, it's kind of a change of pace for them. And, and when you show interest, you know, like I show interest in the things they talk about, I think it really helps because they realize that like, I'm not just there for a story. Like I'm really just curious like about who they are as a person. And so I think that kind of helps extend the conversation. And then it kind of just becomes that like organic and natural conversation of just talking to like, how you would like a colleague or like a friend or something like that. Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, the, like a third or more of the calves are your yeah, age or younger exactly. and you're 22. So that, that helps. Um, I, I want to go to Gina and Gina, I mean, we've thrown a couple questions out here and I don't want to limit the scope of your answer because I mean, you've seen so much of this, um, 
But I, I, I wanted to kind of uh, throw these questions your way in terms of DeAndre Ayton. Uh, Sam and I talk a lot, and we talk to our other beat writers about this when they cover a star and, and what it means to strike a relationship with these sort of top-line guys and, and uh, get them to be able to feel comfortable with telling you things. And DeAndre, of course, was a former number one overall pick, and you did a great job um, traveling around the country last year covering the Suns, but but really trying to stay uh, on him, covering him as a beat. And, um, you know, I don't know if I would call him a star yet, and there's a couple reasons why, but um, he, you know, as the number one pick, he kind of was the, the Suns' face or co-face of the franchise. And so what has it been like to get to know him and cultivate that relationship with him? Yeah, it's been really interesting because he's got a very interesting personality. Um, a lot of times it's very, um, very gregarious, very outgoing, very um, just he's can be very friendly and very quotable and all of that stuff. And then, you know, sometimes you could tell last season where the losses and the way the season was going kind of got to him. And I think that was a new experience, too. And so. Um, there were certain days where he, you know, wouldn't really be so keen on on talking. So just sort of learning how to navigate all of that. But again, like Kelsey said, I think being around all the time is is really helpful. And sometimes I don't think we give these players enough credit for how much they notice as far as which reporters are not just in Phoenix, but are in Memphis and Sacramento and Cleveland and Miami and like anywhere that this team is. So I, I think by the end of the season and even before that, I think during, you know, as the season d- evolved, um, you know, we did develop a relationship where if we see each other on the street, he's going to say hello and we're going to talk and it's going to be, it's going to be good. So, um, you know, obviously since the suspension, he has not been technically available to the media, but I actually, ran into him yesterday um, while I was walking out of the arena and we just kind of chit chatted for a little bit. So um, just having that, um, and you obviously like, wasn't nervous to talk to me or Dwayne Rankin was also there from the Arizona Republic. We just happened to all be leaving it throughout this through the same door. And so just kind of having that natural rapport, I think is very helpful. Um, just not just now, but as the season progresses and when he comes back and then, you know, throughout his whole career, because they, they obviously anticipate him being here for a long time. So starting to cultivate that relationship was key. And I think a thing that helped me was um, my first game story, quote unquote, the story off the first game that I covered last year was I basically just tracked DeAndre the whole day and, you know, asked him about his routine. And I sort of followed him through pregame and um, after the game and was just kind of on him the whole day. And it turned out to be a pretty cool Piece. And I think even just being there for that and him kind of seeing that I was interested in what he was doing, I think that went a long way. So, yeah, that was um, a fun story to do. And obviously, he's a very interesting person to be to be covering. Well, Gina, I hope this makes you feel good. But I remember the precise location where my butt was on a chair in Toronto at a diner on King Street reading your that story that day. Oh nice. That's awesome. It. Yeah. Before you ask another question, can I tell you my road trip horror story? Can we go back a yes, little bit? Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> we skipped over okay. you. Yeah. So this goes back to my the whole pod should have been about of, alert, of learning like what hotels to stay at and which hotels not to stay at. So um sorry Kelsey, I have to throw Atlanta under the bus a little bit. Um but okay. <laughs> I was in uh, I was in Atlanta. It was my first season covering the Nuggets and it was one of their first I feel like it was the first like extended road trip of the season. 
And, you know, I was trying to be a good company woman and trying to save the Denver Post, you know, not a ton of money, but trying to be frugal as far as my um, hotel spending. And I wound up at a Fairfield Inn downtown and um, it was after shoot around. It was kind of that afternoon break in between shoot around and going back to the game um, or back to the arena for the game. And I was in like the, the like living room area, I guess, like not on the bed, but like on the couch. And I was typing, transcribing. And I hear this person come through the hallway and it's like, uh, you can tell someone who works for the hotel and he like bangs on the door next to me or across the hall. I can't remember which it was, but bangs on the door and he's like maintenance, like, you know, very normal. And then he like bangs it a lot harder. And he's like maintenance, like very forceful. And basically I realized that they forced themselves into the room and that someone had died in the room, like oh. next to me. <laughs> yeah. And so I kind of like, yeah, no. So I, again, I have no idea what happened based on long story short. I don't think anyone was like murdered or anything. I think someone just, you know, passed Expired. away. In the room. Yes. Right. And, and so, but anyway, so he like calls down, he's like in the hallway still. And he like calls down to the front desk and they're like getting all these people up here and it's like police you know, police folks and all these people in the hallway. And I can like see it through the little people in the door. And I'm like thinking I'm going to become like an extra law and order, like the person, you know, that, that they knock on the door and they're like, did you hear anything? Did you see anything? And I'm just like freaking out. And yeah, so that's my, that's the weirdest thing that's happened to me on the road. And, (laughs) but the worst part was that they didn't even like mention it. They didn't even tell, like, they didn't tell me, like I'm literally across the hall or next door. And they just like pretend like nothing happened. And so I finally told them, I was like, look, guys, like I was in my room when all this was happening and they eventually like refunded the room and let me keep all my Marriott points and all that stuff. But it was definitely the weirdest thing that there was a dead body in the hotel room next to me. (laughs) Okay, Gina, you should have gotten at least a hundred thousand extra Marriott points out of that. You, you, we, we have people in this business and I'm not going to name names, but you know, older heads than myself who have been shameless throughout their career. And, you know, if they get a a cold shower, they get 30,000 points. It's just a matter of how much you're willing to complain. You're now inspiring a new idea. We're going to have you guys back on and and we're going to have to have a theme of just worse road stories. Cause I mean, everything I've been through never had somebody expire near me in a hotel. So that's, a new one. You know, it also made me think like, how often does this actually happen? Cause you think of yeah. the yeah. hundreds of people who are in these hundreds of hotels and I'm sure the staff is like prepared for that, but it's a little creepy no. when it happens right <laughs> on the same floor. Well, and you're giving me <laughs> no, no flashbacks here. And, and Gina, if you need to go, let us know. I no, know we're, we're good. We're good. <laughs> um, I'm sitting here thinking, all right, what's the closest I have to that? I once at a Vegas summer league, you know, this is probably six, seven years ago was in my room sleeping, Probably 5 a.m. I, I hear there's a banging on the door and it's pretty aggressive, so it's jarring. And I get out of bed, look through the peephole, and uh, saying this in a PG-13 fashion, there was a couple that was very excited and they were really ready to go. And they thought that this was their room, and they were trying to get into my room to to finish the job. <laughs> I opened the door, had to kind of convey the news, and it, there's no way they were just drunk. They had other stuff in their system because they were both staring at me like zombies. And I'm going, no, you're not coming in here. This is not your room. So, you know, weird stuff on the road. Um, Kendra, we uh, we got off track there with the, the road story stuff. 
But, it's, uh, it's entertaining. Sorry though, to so. derail I, everything. It is. I love it. It was good, Jane. It was really good. It was good. But on the to take it back to that initial question, you have an interesting locker room and an interesting organization. I mentioned earlier that I know Michael Malone pretty well, and and he can be equal parts, you know, like eloquent and interesting, but also on different days edgy and short. Uh, he's real. He's pretty authentic, uh, and that can be great for us. And then you have to read the room every time. But then you've got. You know, Jokic, who can be interesting but has the language barrier, which is always a, a, a tricky thing to navigate. You've got Jamal Murray, who I think is a little bit like Malone, can be good, can be not so good. You know, can be, you know, maybe Moody's maybe a little too simplistic, but Gary Harris can be, you know, kind of vanilla at different times. What's the, uh, you know, how have you navigated that stuff and how have you found that group? Yeah. Well, like Kelsey, the Nuggets are just such a young team. So most of the guys are closer to my age than not. Um, sometimes I forget that Jokic is only two years older than me. I just, that just doesn't correlate in my brain. Um, That's crazy. Yeah. but as far as Malone, I mean, he's been good so far, but I, I agree with what you're saying last night. I saw on Twitter, I obviously wasn't in Memphis, um, but I saw a tweet from one of the other Nuggets beat writers that said that he, I mean, the Nuggets were up by 30, pretty much like almost the entire game or something crazy like that. And he was said something of, I thought we played well, but you know, we have to learn how to hold on to the lead. We let them get within 17 points and everyone's like, okay, well, I mean, should, you should focus on the fact that you guys were able to hold a 17 lead because that's just not something that you guys have been doing. So are you getting a little bit too negative, too nitpicky? But, um, I mean, every interaction I've had, has been great, except when he got mad at me for coughing because he didn't want me to get him sick, which I understand as well. <laughs> <laughs> now we're going back to that. See, yeah, writers getting people sick. But I mean, and there's definitely been moments where he's had his his testy moments when we when Jokic was struggling near the beginning of the season. I think almost every day someone asked a question of Jokic, which is what happens when your you know franchise star player isn't playing well. And there was one day he just said are you seriously asking me this again? And then afterwards he goes, I don't want to hear any more Jokic questions for the rest of the week or something like that. And we're all like, Oh, like, okay. Um, but you know, and then you mentioned the Jokic language barrier. It's funny him and Juancho Heron and Gomez, who's from Spain. Every time they speak and you record it, everyone's face is just like, Oh my gosh, this is going to take me forever to transcribe. Cause I'm going to have to listen to the sentence over and over and over again, just to figure out what they're saying because their accents are pretty thick. Um, and it's not so much the, the language barrier and, and the English, it's just their accents and being able to figure out what words they're actually saying. That's the tricky part. But overall, the locker room has been pretty good. It's, it's a, a pretty fun locker room for the most part. You know, Kelsey was talking about just finding ins with the guys and finding ways to, you know, relate to them and, and, you know, just show that we're all people. And I've had definitely had those instances, you know, PJ Dozier, who's spending time in the G league right now on his two way, he went to South Carolina and he played Gonzaga in the final four. Um, and I think I was a sophomore that year. So we talked about that and, and then bull bold had just moved to Denver and I had just moved to Denver. So we got to talk about, you know, he was in Oregon. I was in Spokane coming from the Pacific Northwest out to Denver, you know, living away from home, trying to be adults on our own for the really the first time in our lives um, and just finding different ends. And so it, it's been pretty good overall. All right. Well, we have 
kept you long enough, but I think this was a real treat for tampering listeners. I know that Sam and I got a lot out of this, and um, this was all my idea. Sam had absolutely <laughs> nothing to do with it, so I want everyone that to Varden be humility. clearly uh, aware of that. But but as we go, um, and again, uh, Kendra, I just have to say how much you sound like Malika. <laughs> I'm going to see her tonight at Madison Square Garden. I will bring this up. But um, what I want you guys to do, um, because Sam and I have been talking about this, is just that <laughs> you all three have such cool jobs and such I mean, really great spots at a at a really. I mean, obviously, you know, a company that's that's on the rise, and you are young. Um, and so, starting with Gina, and then to Kelsey, and then to Kendra, um, what's one piece of advice that you would give someone younger than you who wants to do what you do? First of all, thank you for saying that I'm still young because I don't feel it talking to uh, <laughs> ladies. Um, but no, the, the piece of advice I would give is. Um, just to try everything. Um, that was something when I was in college, I was actually a broadcast major. I thought I was going to go into television and had done my high school newspaper and had written like all through college, but was taking all of my classes in broadcast journalism, learning how to write scripts and be on camera and edit and all that stuff. And sort of had an epiphany my senior year that I still wanted to write. Like that's what I wanted my home base as far as my reporting to be. So, um, I never would have known that had I been so focused on, no, I'm going to you know, do television. This is what I want to do. So um, I just encourage people to try all kinds of stuff and, and you know, see what sparks your interest, see what you like, see what you don't like, and, and be okay with whatever that answer is. Like Use that to inform your path moving forward. And then also just we've sort of talked about it throughout this whole thing is just, um, just be a human being and realize that the people that you cover are human beings and try to connect on that level and try to just, you know, approach the job that way to approach life that way. And that usually ends up being um, what helps build relationships and what helps lead to cool stories. So those would be the two things that I would say, not just to young women coming up, but any reporter that's, you know, trying to make their way in the business. That's what I would say. Kelsey. Okay. Ooh. Um, I think I would say like, Never say no to an opportunity, like even if, if it, even if it's in a sport that you've never covered before, because that's kind of the position I was in, you know, I mean, with the WNBA, that's similar, but I think, you know, always having that openness to say yes to an opportunity to take that leap, to take that jump and trust well, your education and where you've come from and, and, and your knowledge. And I think also like with that, like having the humility and the, the mentality to grow and to can always continue learning because we don't know everything. And especially being young, like you, you just, you're learning as you go. And so having that openness to just continue to learn, to continue to find out new things and figure out new things in the business, I think is the best way to just grow as a, as a person and as a journalist. And Kendra. Um, I think kind of two things. One kind of like what Kelsey's saying, never think that a job is too like small for you, but also don't think that a job is too big for you. And if there's, you know, something that you, an internship or a job that you're applying to that you might think is a reach, still apply for it because you never know. Um, I know that I've definitely had that experience in my life with some internships where I say, I'm probably not going to get it, but the worst that's going to happen is I'm not going to get it. So might as well. And then I ended up getting it. Um, and I think the other thing is just 
never turn down an opportunity to meet other people in the business, especially people who are older than you and have more experience. I've been able to build such a great group of mentors who, you know, still check in on me from Marcus Thompson, who covers the Warriors for us to Mark Spears at ESPN to just all these amazing like legends around this business who will call me, you know, a random day and just say, how's it going? How are you? What can I help you with? And just having that kind of support system and knowing that you have that group of people who are willing to either vouch for you or just help you when you're struggling or when you're down is really, really important. It makes you feel really good about yourself. Kendra, great stuff. Uh, I'm glad that you didn't put uh, our mutual buddy Logan Murdoch in the legends category yet. I, I you know, Lo- Lo- <laughs> Logan's killing it covering the Warriors. He was one of my young fellas. Uh, love that guy. Um, really good stuff. And Gina, just to make you feel better, since you had the quick aside on the age front, and I wrote this in the Trey Young story that I did the other day. You know, don't worry, you're not in my shoes yet. Where you're on an elevator with Trey Young and a fan who's also in the elevator says to him says, hey, Trey, is, is Vince Carter older than your father? And he says, yeah, he actually is. And I'm going, sweet, because Vince and I are the wow. same age. That's really rough. Wow. <laughs> wow. <laughs> so you're you're doing fine. Ladies, thank you so much. This was awesome. It was Joe's idea. He gets all the credit, <laughs> but I enjoyed it. It was, it was really fun. We should do it again. And, and you guys are an inspiration to, I think, a lot of women who are doing this. And, and Gina, like you alluded to, it's not just about the women. It's, it's folks who are trying to get into the business and, and have fun doing this. And most of them don't have any clue what it entails. So hopefully it illuminated some of that. Uh, good luck this season. You, all three of you have really interesting teams to dive into. We cannot wait to, uh, to read all your stories. Thank you. Thanks, guys. Thank you so much. Thanks, guys. This was super fun. That was great. That was great. Thanks. Thanks.